You're listening to The Dollop. This is a bi-weekly American history podcast. Each week, I read a story from American history to my friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. <laughs> Woo! Whoa, thank Whoa, you, Jose. Jose. Thank you, buddy. Let it loose, huh? Yeah, let it rip. When people actually say they want him mic'd, I wonder... I don't think anybody wants that. I've re- people have asked for him to get well, a microphone. Yeah, but they're not producers. Right. <laughs> I just will say there'd be a lot of dead air for every meow. Yeah. Boy, he's really freaking out right yeah, now. Yeah, he is. Right. I lifted that curtain up. He's now, like, it's, it's almost like he doesn't have his, like, private chamber anymore. Yeah, he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> I mean, people have no idea what we're talking about. God, you want a little hit of dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary Gera. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakie of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> Uh, we want to thank uh, all of our subscribers on Patreon. This podcast is brought to you by our subscribers. Thank each and every one of you. Kissy kiss. Kissy love kisses. Love. Yeah. Excuse August me? 19th. David Nithnany. 1845. The New York Herald reported. 1845? Yeah. Okay. It reported, quote, on Tuesday night, July 22nd, Mr. Christopher Plunkett and his police party apprehended five of the Molly McGuire's, who had been fully identified and committed to prison to await trial. This capture has provided great satisfaction since the authorities possess information that will enable them to break up the dreadful association organized for the destruction of life and property. This was the first time the Molly McGuire's had ever been mentioned in the United States press. Okay. The paper went on to explain who the Mollies were. In the 1700s, Ireland had a secret association known as the Ribbon Men. Mm. They resisted the laws of the land, and they murdered every Protestant they hated. Farmers' homes were burned nightly, and uh, the farmers were killed. It's a cute name for a... The Ribbon Men? The Ribbon Men. Well, they ran around with ribbons while they were doing this. <laughs> they would have, like, ribbons. Slit, slit. Slit, slit, <laughs> cut, cut, slit. <laughs> stab, stab. Yay! <laughs> Quote, <laughs> Look at it. <laughs> Stab him. Well, you didn't even do an Irish accent. <laughs> Stop him. <laughs> I feel like it's too late. Huh? Quote, almost every hedge and ditch contained, contained an assassin who leveled his gun at the passing Protestant or treacherously pierced him with a pitchfork. Jesus. So it's intense. time to convert. Right. That's this is how Can you imagine this is how the Catholics convert so fast. Oh, right away. Who who's getting murdered? I'm with the guy the the murdering guys, I'm with them. I'm I'm whatever they are. I'm what you guys are. What are you guys? Other side. Um author Stuart Trench first read about the Molly Maguires in Ireland. He claimed that he first came across them in County Monaghan. Monaghan? Monaghan, yeah. Monaghan in eighteen forty three, and then a second time in eighteen fifty one. Trent said the Mollies were young men who dressed up in women's clothes, black in their faces, or wore veils. 
Disguising the face was common in Irish rural areas from 1760 to 1850. Yeah, honestly, it sort of sounds like what the gypsy culture in Ireland gets married in now. They put on a lot of bronzer and crazy dresses. <laughs> Am the, I the only one watching my big fat gypsy wedding? I think so. Oh, okay. The White Boys is the name of a, a group. The White Boys the, wore... But they're not... Oh. Okay. All right. Wore white linen dresses and white handkerchiefs around their hats. They apparently pledged allegiance to a mythical woman, Civ Outlaw. That's serious. Some serious Celtic fucking language there. So, what so they far said was their queens. <laughs> well, these guys were early on versions of the, the Molly Maguires. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, they're just a different kind. Okay. Right. Yeah. They just prayed to a mythological woman and wore all white. Yeah, but that happens. Sure. In 1845, Thomas Campbell Foster traveled through Ireland writing letters to the Times of London, which he described uh, rural life and violence there. There were numerous reports of threats, assaults, armed robberies, and murders. Foster said Molly Maguireism was, quote, a local generic term for rural unrest. It is, in fact, the embodiment of the spirit of discontent. Okay. The main focus of the Molly Maguires was to hold on to the small bits of land so they could raise enough potatoes to live. That seems like a fair plight. Right. Heart's in the right place. Yep. But there was a a movement uh, for grazing herds. So that's that's conflict with growing potatoes. Was the grazing herds of cattle? Right. A grazing grazing herd would eat your potato plants. Humans? No. Cattle. Or like animals. Who would eat the potatoes? Grazing herds of animals? Livestock? Cows? or well, They would eat the potato plants, not the potatoes. Okay. So a grazing herd is in conflict with somebody who wants to grow crops. Right, I understand that. Do so, you? Yeah, I do. So they're eating, like, livestock is eating their potatoes. Jesus. Grazing livestock. You know, this is the end of the podcast. What happened? <laughs> Jose! Um, so the Molly Maguires would dig up newly enclosed pasture, making it unsafe for herds. So I guess they'd fuck it up somehow. Okay. Fuck up the land. They would also attack, maim, or kill grazing animals. Interesting. Seems like that would solve part of the famine issue, too. Right. Uh, herdsmen were attacked, and a horse was tried, found guilty, tortured, and shot. A horse was tried? Yeah, they tried, like a courtroom situation. In which they tried him and found him guilty. Did he take the stand? Well, I mean, I don't know if a horse back then was allowed to take the stand in its own defense. Right. But, you know. Hardly representing myself. At least this horse got his day in court as opposed to other ones that were just shot. They were a fair peer jury of my peers. You just did an Irish horse. Right, that's right. I've been grazed in the land. I've every right to be here. How, why does he sound like that? Well, because I've got so many teeth in my mouth. I'm not a horse. Okay. I'm a horse. I'm sure. So. We're neighbors. Landlord's agents were also threatened, beaten, and assassinated, as were tenants who settled on land from which others had been evicted. Merchants who charged unjust prices were threatened and attacked. There were three origins. Sounds a little lawless. There were three supposed origins of the Molly Maguires. Okay. 
one was that uh, Molly McGuire was a woman who had been evicted from her home and locals got together to avenge her. Another version was that she was the owner of a tavern where the secret society met. And the third was that she was a woman who led men to the countryside on their raids. It's like a tough ass. Okay. So those are the three. I like all options. Those are nice. Uh, Schoolkill County, Pennsylvania. Schoolkill? Schoolkill. S-C-H-U-Y-L-K-I-L-L. Okay. Schoolkill. Was a county in Pennsylvania that was the center of the Mon Maguires in the United States. In 1850, half the people in the county were foreign-born. 13,400 from Ireland. The Irish were 43.5% of the immigrant population and 11% of the total population. The vast majority of them worked in coal mines. Okay. Oh, it's dark. Schoolkill County was coal mining country. There were 91 coal mines employing over 15,000 people. The employees were broken down into skilled miners or miners on contract. They were independent craft craftsmen who learned their jobs through an apprenticeship and were proud of their status. Well, okay. Yeah. I Surely there were lower classes in this. Really? Yeah. Uh, interesting. Most uh, contract miners employed their own laborers, paying them from their own income. The Welsh and English workers were skilled contract miners, and the laborers were all Irish. Oh, boy. The- that must be nice to have a talent. Well, back down to the pedal block for me. I'd like to not have to eat me fist. So, that's nice. Uh, the well-established apprenticeship... You guys seem like you really know what you're doing. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to go back down to the pedal block's end. Okay, you shit pig. <laughs> uh, I'm 17. Uh, the well-established apprenticeship system allowed the wealth British and American Welsh, British and American workers to rise up and get skilled jobs. The Irish were not eligible for promotion. And the Irish did get uh, more work together. They would mine all day, and then the skilled miners would leave, and the Irish would be left to pile up all the coal and fill the train cars. Yes, well, we're done. Now, if you wouldn't mind sweeping up and putting those oh, into proportionate right. piles. Tally ho. Ta-ra. Go ahead and pick that all up there. Ah, don't worry about it, you fucking English. Ah, you fucking cunt. Peck this up. Pick it up, you bloody. Oh, fuck yourself. Bastard. You fucking. Crack. There better be a potato in here. We used. I'm dying. We used to be a potato empire. I'm, I'm dying. I'm dead. We fucking died, I have. I'm seven. I'm fucking... I'm Look at me. I'm gone. Ta-ra. That one's dead. He keeps talking. Yeah, he died. But I died two days ago, what we did. So, they'd mine all day, uh, and then the Irish would pile up all the coal and fill train cars. The region had a large amount of young single men who lived as boarders in the homes of Irish family. Irish okay. lived with Irish, Welsh lived with Welsh, and so on. The coal trade picked up in 1862 due to the war. And the price of coal went up. Laborers who were making $6 a week in 1862 were making $12 a week a year later. All righty. The Miner's Journal. Sure. Which is a still a great, uh, if you get it, it's still a great paper. It's great. It's like a barely 18. Yeah. Uh, that wrote, the Miner's Journal wrote most of what we know about the Molly Maguires. The editor uh, was Benjamin Brandon, and he was a Republican, and the county was mostly Democratic. 
When the war came, the Militia Act of 1862 led to thousands of Pennsylvanians being drafted for Union service in the Civil War. The draft commissioner for Schuylkill County was Benjamin Brannan. Okay. Brannan found a very hostile reaction from the locals. Oh, boy. Women and boys threw hot water, sticks, and stones at him. Those won't break my bones. Then, on October 16, 1862, 1,000 laborers stopped a train transporting draftees from Schuylkill County to Harrisburg. The governor wired the Secretary of War to request troops. Okay. But uh, a nice religious man, Archbishop Wood, went to Schuylkill County and talked the men into standing down. Okay. That's a nice Irish. Yeah, that's, that's a nice. good guy. Yeah. The colonel in charge of the draft wrote about Schuylkill, quote, In Schuylkill, where the Molly Maguires are, 13 murders had been committed within two or three years, and not a single murder brought to punishment. All of the Irish labor draftees are under the absolute influence of the Molly Maguires. Okay. Uh, on December 18th, 200 armed men raided the Phoenix Coal Mine in Cass Township, according to Miner's Journal. Quote, the men were strangers to the workers. They attacked and beat, in the most outrageous manner, some 15 persons connected to the mine, and in one instance, beat a stranger who had no connection whatsoever. I don't even know any of these dudes! I'm just here looking around at stuffs! I'm visiting my cousin! Ow! So they just go down to the mine and they just tear ass? Yeah, they just fucking shit up. Before they left, they warned... Well, just, I'll, I'll uh, tell you why. Okay. Before they left, they warned that if the company store was reopened or the furnaces... At the mine relit, they would make a volcano of the entire works and kill every man about the place. The Molly Maguires were stopping work at Coleman's to demand higher wages and better treatment. Okay. So the Molly, Magu- the Molly Maguire's plight was to get higher wages. Just get better everything. Get better everything. In 1863, 40 Irish mine workers attacked the home of mine supervisor John McDonald. Okay. Hey, Johnny, in there! Uh, No! Throw a potato through the window. I'm not here. Throw one of the fire potatoes. I'm not in here. Throw a fire potato at his house. Ah, uh, there's nobody in here. Shit. Hey, uh, Patty, we've got a bit of a problem. Yeah, what is that? He's not here, is Potatoes he? don't light on fire. Well, and also, he says he's not in there. Yeah, yeah, but you see... Uh, yeah, I well, he wouldn't a... lie to us. Okay, right, but there's a flaw with the... If a man is saying, I'm not here, that means he's fucking there. Yeah, but he wouldn't lie to us. If he says he's not bloody in there, he's not bloody in there, is he? No. There's nobody in here. Yes, see, just as he said there. Hey, Patrick, could you shove a a, a potato in Patty's mouth? I would like to talk to you. Absolutely. There, put it right in Patty's mouth. Okay. So, uh, we have a problem. I know he's not there. Okay, shit. We gotta get moving. Oh, fuck He's been pretty honest so far. Okay, I'm I'm gonna go over here in the corner and shoot myself in the face. All right, but won't bring him here. You sure you're not in there? Good, good riddance. Uh, no, nobody you. in here. Yeah, go fuck yourself. You're a shit person. All right. We'll wait for him to come back. Human fucking garbage jar. Hopefully he comes back soon. And we'll know too, because we'll be waiting outside. Okay. All right, then. Ta-ra! Everybody go. Uh, so they attack his home. Right? The next month, the mine operator was attacked by his employees. After the Conscription Act of 1863 was passed, mine operators would voluntarily furnish lists of their employees to the draft authorities. Furnish lists? Yeah, so they're giving lists of everybody who works there to the draft board, basically. Okay. Have them! Uh, this led to uh, the mine operators being threatened with uh, death. 
The conscription asks uh, the conscription act also let drafted citizens find a substitute for to fight for them or pay three hundred dollars to get out of fighting. Boy, that's a movie right there. Trying to find the substitute to fight for you. In the <laughs> hey, mate, how are you? It's all right. Hey. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good, good, good. Boy, this uh, war sounds like oh, it's boy. crazy, isn't it? Fucking would never want boy, to. Boy, I tell you, yeah. we would love to go there and fight. What? Oh, I would love to fight. No, I was just saying. Given I, the I opportunity never... to go over there, actually, you know, fight. Fight for what I believed in, you know. But no, uh, I... I can't, you see. What? So, why? I've got a bad back. You I feel, yeah, I feel in badly. Get a bad back. But man, if I could do it, oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. The idea of going over there, representing, make 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 something of yourself. Exactly. I shouldn't move too much. Makes the back hurt. It does. Aye, ta. There's something I was going to say to you, other than Uh, other than the the thing about. Was it about potatoes? No, no, no. That's all we talk. Oh, huh? Do you know what I could do for you? What's that? I could give you an opportunity to go and fight in my place. That way you can go make a name for yourself. And I can rest my back. Boy, that's a good idea you've had there. That's a great idea you've had. You just come up with a great solution. You could do that if you put it like that. You could go fight for me. That makes perfect sense. Right, come on, let's get you out of the draft commission. Come on, you and me. Oh, I'll have to walk slow though. The back ain't what it used to be. You see, it's real bad, isn't it? You coming or are you just... No, I'm not coming, you fucking... Ah. What the fuck is wrong with you? You noticed I was lying? Yeah, so right, hold on. I'll see you. Well, fuck off. I'll see That's you later. That's the fucking shit. Boy. It's too complete. Boy. Oh, but so this led to the slogan, rich man's war, poor man's fight, which is the same as in the South when we talked about this. the same today. With the Jones, the, the, the Jones episode, they, they did the same thing. Yeah. Uh, troops were in various parts of the region for the remainder of the Civil War. A general reported, quote, the rebels are so numerous that they have a whole community uh, in terror of them. They dictate the, dictate the prices for their work, and if the employers don't agree with them, they destroy and burn coal breakers' houses and prevent others from working. They resist the draft, are organized into societies for this purpose. They intended to sabotage the Union war effort by cutting off the supply of coal Crippling industry and setting off riots in large cities. They are mostly Irish. They call themselves the Molly Maguires. Okay. I like the Molly Maguires now. On November 5th, 1863. Can you still get a jacket online? Yeah, they got a lot of Molly Maguire jackets. Yeah. Sweet. In, eight, uh, in November 5th, 1863, in Yorktown, coal operator George Smith was murdered in his house by a gang of Irishmen with blackened faces. Mm-hmm. They shot him in front of his family. You might have thought it was like coal if he was in a dream. Whoa! Why is coal running around? Another person oh. dead from coal. Oh, fuck me. Why does coal have guns? Roy beat the shit out of him. Uh, they shot him in front of his family. Uh, mm. he, he was suspected of giving information uh, to have men who were drafted arrested. He was... Sus- right, okay, right. right. Uh, when the war ended, thousands of soldiers returned uh, as many immigrants continued to pour in. But the prices of coal dropped and then wages. This led to a very unstable time in the post-war Pennsylvania coal region. Okay. It's crazy that Pennsylvania still is just coal. I mean, that is coal town. Now it's frack town. No, I mean frack town, yeah. The state legislature authorized the creation of railroad police. I do love how we're, like, that's what we've moved into now is, like, we're like, no more coal, let's frack. Yeah, let's just go ahead and get that. Like, people are like, coal is terrible. We must put poison into the Earth's crust. Smarter. The fracking thing is fucking insane. Yeah. 
a, a very funny what I remember I posted something about fracking once and the guy from the fracking issue was like there's fucking fracking does absolutely nothing to water Dude, it's totally fine I, I got into an argument at a show one time with a guy who was a fracker great PR they have a great they just their PR department is t- tremendous really good um, the state legislature authorized the creation of uh, railroad police in February 1865. Okay. In 1866, a supplement to the act was passed, extending its provisions to, quote, all corporations, firms, or individuals owning, leasing, or being in possession of any coal mine or furnace within this commonwealth. So wait, what would happen if they had that? So basically, they created a contract between mining companies and the state where police were basically just, like, sold or rented to the to the private corporations. So the private corporations now had like a police force right. in order to basically control like now they had control over their workers essentially. Yeah. Right. Okay. Great. Uh the state had created quote islands of police power which were free to float as the employers saw fit. By eighteen sixty eight crime greatly decreased. Okay. I don't know how that happened. I wonder what it, what do you think it was related to? I bet there were just some guys talking to him and saying, don't do that. It was probably, yeah, morality kicks in eventually. Yeah, don't yeah. do that. The response to the government crackdown was, of course, the formation of a union. Because when employers are fucking monsters, it always leads to a union. Yeah. The Working Man's Benevolent Association was formed in February of 1868, the first labor union in the region. Twelve of the 16 founders... Wait, were- they were almost the WNBA. Are they the WNBA? Uh, shit. You know what? Okay. This is actually, this story is actually about the formation. It is? The WNBA, yeah. This is amazing. We're going to get to that. Oh, yeah. I yeah. love it. But but the WNBA came out of coal mining. I figured it would have. Yeah, of course. The connection's just so obvious. Right. You don't even need to talk about the connection points. You know what? I'm just going to stop here. Great. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, so 12 of the 16 founders were English-born, three were Irish-born, and one was Welsh. Most Irish mine workers belonged to the WBA. 30,000 of the 35,000 coal mine workers belonged to the Union. In October of 1868, the general superintendent of the Locust Mountain Coal and Iron Company was killed by a group of armed men on a road. The newspapers blamed the Molly Maguires, though there was no proof. The Union itself focused on safety. Miners feared a large fall of coal or rock. Besides killing them outright, it how, would how could block you, off air. How, how I like, um, I, can you imagine the anxiety of working in a mine? Oh, like, fuck. I mean, just constantly. No, the worst. Just oh, game over if something yeah. goes wrong. All the time. And it all goes wrong. Yeah, constantly. Uh, so they could get cut off right from air. Uh, usually they would get a warning when thousands of rats would scurry by. Cool. It's always nice to have a heads up. Oh, fuck. The rocks are coming down. Oh, mine rats. How can you tell? Well, I'm knee deep in rats, Larry. I think it's that the rats are up my pot leg. Uh, Workers were also concerned with explosions. And there's one guy who just said like a ton of cheese. Oh, no. Cheese is my favorite snack. I'm done for. Who move on without me, boys? Why did I bring only cheese? Tell my family of me. Uh, workers were also concerned with the explosions or asphyxiation from different gases. Sure, that's a worry. There was stink damp, which is hydrogen sulfide. There was fire damp, which is methane. There was black damp, which is carbon dioxide. Oh. And white damp, which was carbon monoxide. How do you even live? How do you live? And there was also death from the occasional flooding. Oh, God. 
Anyway, have a good day at work, Jimmy. I will. Hopefully the black death or the white death or the uh, methane don't get to... Dad, I got a job in the death hole. (laughs) I'm so proud. Uh, at first, the I'm mine- also a ladyish father. <laughs> at first, the mine workers uh, were blamed for all accidents, but by the 1870s, things changed. All fires, floods, and accidents were called acts of terrorism. What? And committed by the Molly Maguires. Wow. Yeah, that's a little unfair, right? Mm, it's interesting. Schuylkill County, the center of Molly Maguire activities, was the most cold, dangerous place there was, with 556 dead and 1,667 injured between 1870 and 1875. It's a lot. In its uh, contract offer uh, in 1870, the Coal Board of Trade proposed with the union a big reduction in wages. Good Lord. Uh, what about taking a lot less money? For, uh, for doing the, the, de- the death work. work. Yeah. Apologies for your s- whatever six hundred or whatever the dead. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, would you like to take less? No. Okay then. Fuck off. Hope you die. Do I get less? No. Yeah. Oh. The whole thing. Okay, pay. <laughs> Didn't the go. Price. I don't think I'm good at negotiating. <laughs> I feel like I might be bad at it. The price of coal had gone down. Uh, so obviously the owners thought pay should too. The union was told to accept the wage compromise by April 2nd or face suspension. The union refused. Coal operations were shut down. Three months later, July of 1870, Franklin Gowan, acting president of the Philadelphia and Reading Railroad, offered to be a mediator between the coal companies and the union. Okay. Gowan's proposed uh, sliding rates. Okay. So he would, the base. Sort of like market price. The base would be the reduction in wages that the coal companies were offering. Right. But if the prices went up, the workers would make more. Great. Uh, And they went for it. On July 29th, 1870, the first contract was signed between the Coal Board of Trade and the WBA. All right. We're back. Franklin Gowan knew what he was doing, and he had a larger plan. Huh? Increasing coal production would now lead to lower wages. Wait a minute. What? That's true. Currently, railroads couldn't own coal mines, right? Because that would create a monopoly. Right. He had his men in the Pennsylvania legislature introduce bills that would allow railroads to buy the Franklin Coal Company. But that seems... But... An anti-monopoly senator kept stopping it. Okay, good. This went on for months. Months. Sounds like it might have ended. Uh, Well, then Gowan's friends in the legislature waited until the anti-monopoly senators were all at lunch and introduced the bill, passed it, and had it quickly signed by the governor. That's crazy. What? That's Not that that doesn't happen now. That's the most American thing that we have ever read on this podcast. It's terrible, coming back from lunch. <laughs> Those were good oysters. What happened? The whole country's different? What the fuck are you talking about? Wait, what? I just had yeah. a delicious lunch. Yes. Okay. Now monopolies are allowed. Yes. You shouldn't have got the lunch. I, it's your own my, fault. Part of my French. Worth it. They were. It was tasty. <laughs> it was a really good lunch. And the portion size was just right. So the, the Reading Railroad now owned a coal subsidiary. Good. Uh, it's weird. 
In February 1871, miners were striking again because wages were so low. Okay. At this point, Gowan unveiled the new freight rates for coal on trains. The freight rates for coal? Yeah, how much it would cost to okay. transport coal. Uh, the rates were doubled. Huh. This sounds like the EpiPen of coal. The union had already decided to go back to work, mm-hmm. so they were, they were going to stop striking. Right. They had already voted. And now they find but out. But now that- they couldn't even do that because the freight rates made it pointless because coal was so expensive to move. That no right. one would want it. Right. Uh, a union committee offered to return to work at the minimum base of $2.50. The coal board refused to meet with them. Okay. Gallon was, quote, planning to settle the strike in his own way. He wrote to the union president, quote, My only demand is that you shall not insist upon wages so high as to make it impossible to produce coal at the prices which it will bring in the market and that you shall not resort to strikes and suspensions in order to produce a scarcity of coal and force prices so, so wait. beyond what manufacturers and consumers can afford to pay. His only rule is to that don't do anything. His rule is that they can't do what he's doing. Right. They can't try... They can't raise the price of coal by not working as much. Right. He's going to raise the price of coal by... Just because. Yeah. Right. Benjamin, uh, oh wait, did I go too far? Right. Okay. Uh, Gowan uh, then wrote in the paper, so then he goes on a PR. Cool. Thing, Always smart. Uh, that a small group of radicals, obviously meaning the Mollies, were controlling the honest working men of the coal region. <laughs> this is just, uh, <laughs> damn it. He said they had caused the Reading Railroad to uh, stop business and put 30,000 men out of work. Quote, there exists an association which votes in secret at night that men's lives shall be taken and that they shall be shot before their wives murdered in cold blood for daring to work. Well, I don't need numbers to back up anything. I hate the Molly Maguires. I, I love read, coal. I read a story and the thing that I always believe is rich people. Yeah. Truth tellers. It's time for the rich people to get a break. The newspaper's right. Benjamin Bannon of the Miners Journal responded that all miners belong to the union because they can't get work anywhere else. Other papers pushed the narrative that the union was evil. Quote, the Miners Union is a criminal organization guilty of having frequently incited its members to murder, arson, and other crimes and deserving of rigorous punishment before it has even been notified that it has been accused. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of whenever they're the pro- it reminds me of the prop commercials. When we here have like Prop 17. Oh, and they'll just have like yeah. uh, like a woman in a grocery store is like yeah. they say that they want to help us because they want to tell us what's in our food, but at higher taxes, I don't think so. Tell your politicians no higher taxes. <laughs> Vote against your best interests. Oh, they don't say that last part. No, they don't. That's just uh, insinuated heavily. By the end of 1872, the Reading Railroad was in control of 80,000 acres of coal land. It's over. And 98 mines. What? It's over. <laughs> Don't fight. Stop fighting. What are you talking about? It's done. It's over. Got them right won. where they want. They've won. Got them right They've where you want. In January 1873, Gowan and other rail and coal company presidents reached an agreement to fix the price of coal at $5 a ton in New York City. Okay. So now they're just fixing the price. So now, okay. So now that right. So they're just making. So the these market. guys who so now are fucking the workers now, to not pay them right. any money. Uh huh. 
the least they can, allowing them to work in dangerous conditions and die constantly. But now they, they should get more money because the, it's worth more. Well, they just yeah, just the price. It's just fixed. It's just the way it is now. Hmm. What does this remind me? of? I can't think of what it reminds me of either. Something. No, there's nothing. No, no, no. There's something. There's, there's something. No, hold on. Just, okay. There's something it reminds me of. Hmm. It'll come to me. It's just—it's it. very familiar. Doesn't it, to me? It's not familiar at all. Like it just sounds like something. I yep. No, I can't. <sighs> okay, you—you you might be right. It might not. Maybe you think of it later. But I, uh, I okay. It might I, hit me. But it is—it something is there. No, I don't know. So. Uh, this is actually the first case of industry-wide price fixing fixing in the history of the United States. In 1873, a depression hit the United States. A third of Pennsylvania coal workers were not working in 1874. They sank deeper into poverty, helplessness, and degradation. Surely that affected the men up top. The State Bureau of Industrial Statistics reported that it was as if they were separate peoples in race and civilization. Hmm. This was the result of corporations being granted one extraordinary privilege after another, leading to corporations having all the capital and the workers having nothing. Funny. Is that what? It's just funny how that works. Isn't it? It's always funny how... Well, this is the first I've ever heard of it. Right. You mean the last? No, I've never heard of corporations getting their way. Yeah. And, no. And, no, no, and it doesn't happen a lot. all the money and people Well, not. no, but it, it, it's weird because you would think that if you just let the people up top make all the money, that that would make the people below them work harder and spend the money. <laughs> right? Isn't that the economic plan? I, it, look... You need the it, people up top to be rich so that they can fund everything. It, well, if I worked for a company and my boss was not insanely wealthy, then I wouldn't want to work. Yeah. But if my boss is is like crazy wealthy and I'm barely scraping by, that makes me want to work harder. And it's long it, it, long term, it's sustainability Complete for sustainability. the boss. Complete It's the best way to go. For the boss. In 1873, rumors came that the Molly Maguires were active again. Some mine superintendents were threatened and beaten. Several railroad cars were derailed, and there was a series of suspicious fires at coal mines. Newspapers began to report the crimes. In Gilberton, three murders happened uh, at 2 o'clock in the morning when men entered Charles O'Donnell's house, seized him, took him out back, and shot him. The same happened happened to a man named McAllister as well as his sister. The Mollies were blamed. Okay. The fucking Mollies. They're at it again, boys. Newspaper report, quote, two miners, James Martin and Peter McCaffrey, were attacked by a crowd of Molly Maguires yesterday afternoon and beaten with bludgeons, stabbed with knives and treated to a shower of bullets. McCaffrey was killed outright and Martin was so terribly injured that he died in a short time. Good. Franklin Gowan, because of all these problems, then hired the Pinkerton Detective Agency to infiltrate the Mollies. Okay. Little Donnie Brasco action. Uh, the Alan Pinkerton opened his detec- detective agency in 1855. They uh, first worked spying on railroad conductors and other employees. And then after the Civil War, Pinkerton was able to open his national detective agency. Yeah, I was going to say, Pinkerton detective, that was like a thing, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, de- <laughs> detective. There's <clears throat> my historical touch once again. Coming well done. Well done, sir. That's a thing, huh? Hey, that's a something, right? I heard that something once before, huh? Welcome to Gary's history class. Uh, wait, no, wait, wait. I'm thinking of the Pig Panther. Never I'm mind. Sorry. No, no, I'm going to take it all sorry. back. Uh, yeah, I was Dismissed. Thinking, I was thinking about a documentary I saw about Beatles. That's what it was. Uh, Detective James McFarlane was given the job. 
Franklin Gowan and Archbishop Wood were working together, and they wanted Detective McFarlane to gather the evidence and break up the Molly Maguires. Okay. So that's weird. Just a, just a, just a, some, for some, whatever reason, it's just one of the leaders of the Catholic church is then trying to crush the, uh, yep. The Molly Maguires. <clears throat> he decided he was going uh, to become a Molly. He arrived in town one night, found a boarding house and started looking for a job. <clears throat> he was hired to drive a car in a coal mine. He learned uh, to use a pick and then started making friends. McFarlane was supposed to make a report each day, but he was scared it would look suspicious to buy ink all the time, so he'd often use soot and water. Smart. He kept his stamps hidden in his boots. Smelly stamps, but smart. Smelly stamps. Stinky. I mean, I guarantee you don't have to lick them, and if you did, ugh. I love that a guy buying ink. What the fuck are you up to? Oh, I'm not writing nothing. What the fuck you mean writing? I wouldn't write anything. Why do you keep saying you're writing? I'm not. You're right. I'm not writing. Why the fuck are you buying ink? To to help my squid friend. What the fuck does that mean? Well, my best friend is a squid. And, um, he's run out of ink. So, um, uh, my plan is to take this ink here and put it inside him. Okay, that's fair. Oh, my God. Oh, that's a good... Oh, yeah. Well, say hi to your little friend. I'm sorry about your little ink, inkless boy. Thank you. Good luck to you. Thank you. I'll say some prayers for you. That was close. <laughs> uh, McFarlane was also constantly forced to drink. <laughs> that's great. No, you know. What do you uh, expect? Being able to ho- hold, his own, hold his liquor gained him admiration. He ended up... You're all right, you are. You're okay. I thought you might be some kind of traitor, but since you can stand up after all these shots, you're good. You know what? You're about to even go here. You're not a cop. Can I hear you something? Yeah, I ain't never heard of me. Hey? Yeah, I ain't never heard of me. Ha! Don't hit me. Hit me in a way. Whoa. He grew closer to the Mollies, who thought his name was actually James McKenna. That was his alias, right? Johnny Brasco. Uh, they helped spread rumors. He, he had helped spread rumors about himself. Did you hear about this guy? Did you hear about James McKenna? Huge. I thought you were James McKenna. No, no. I'm... Oh, I look like him exactly, but I'm not. Huge penis, that James oh, McKenna. Oh, giant cock. Huge. A lot of times he has to tie it around his leg, otherwise the pick hits it. Yeah. And he's got a butthole like a carousel. Hey, uh, sir, don't help me. What? With, don't help me with the rumors. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. I'll handle this. Yeah. He's got a giant asshole. Hey, excuse huh? me. What? Stop helping, please. Just uh, to... um, we're talking about James McKinney. Yeah. yeah, I understand, but I would say that I don't think James would appreciate that talk. He does have a huge dong, but he does no... Uh, he's a regular ah, size. He's got a matching... No, he does not. He's got matching... He does not. He has a regular size arsenal. Trust me, I've, he's... Uh, he keeps a St. Bernard right in the backside. Does not. Absolutely not. No, he has a big, big cock. A huge cock. How do you know that? I know about the asshole because I've. Yeah, seen how do you know about the asshole? Well, I, I spent a weekend there. Okay, that's all right. You know what? <laughs> this is very cold. Are you thinking? Are you sure you're thinking of the asshole? I think so. Yeah. It sounds like you might be thinking of maybe a retreat of some kind. Ah, uh, it is a retreat. No, okay, right. Yeah, I'm thinking of a retreat. Right. Never mind. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Don't yeah. help. Okay. Don't help. Okay. Don't help. That's fair. All right. Uh. 
So he spread rumors about himself. Uh, word got out that he had cut off the ears of a guy in a nearby town, and he'd killed another guy in Buffalo, and that uh, police were looking for him. That for guy being... with no ears was like, are, are people talking about it? <laughs> Is anyone talking about it? <laughs> uh, and then uh, he was supposed to be part of a counterfeiting ring. So he one day helped attack a coal mine that was filled with detectives, which caused local cops to label him as one of the bad ones. Okay. He started getting arrested a lot. Finally, on April 14th, 1874, he was made a Molly, and soon he was the secretary. Do you boys need any tea and soy to hear for your meeting? <laughs> one lump or two, love. And you, one lump or two. Uh, and who are you here to see? And shall I make up some cucumber sandwiches for the big meeting later? <laughs> also, Andrew called whenever you get a minute. I told him you're busy. So. Oh, okay, thank you. Yeah. You're good. You're very good at your. Uh, Thank you. What don't mind me? Uh, Mc, uh, McFernan uh, said the Mollies were organized into districts with a secretary, assistant secretary, and treasurer of each. They had uh, secret passwords, signs, and were very well organized. Okay. The password is potato. Okay, I won't tell anyone. They'll never figure it out. He. Uh, so now he's an officer, and he's being told all the secrets and the methods. Okay. First, uh, there was one method they did called correcting. They would go to a man's house at night, pull him out of bed, and cut off an ear. Well, it's... I mean, uh, it's... Hard to not make a correction after it. It's a message. Sure. Right? Yep. You're definitely something you'd respond. If that didn't change the guy's behavior, they would go in and cut off the other ear. Okay. Well, you should have listened. I couldn't. Oh, fuck. You know what? We've got a problem with this one. Yeah, if we cut off an ear, then he can't, he can't hear us. What are you talking about? Oh, what? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Did you say fuck? Yeah, yeah. Are you saying yeah? Yeah, we're well, sorry. No. <laughs> yeah, we... Okay, it's a bad plan. A right. bad plaque? Right, okay. I guess we'll see it to mine tomorrow. It's not mine. Okay, bye-bye. Hi, hi. Bye now. Why would you say hi twice and then leave? House. Oh, my ears. Oh. Uh, if that did not change their behavior. Hey. What's, what's he doing? Is that a bird? What's he, what kind of noise is coming out of your cat? Get out of here. What was he doing? Wow. Wow. Oh. Oh, back room, motherfucker. You son of a bitch. Right. Sorry. Jose, no. Jose's gone. So if it, if they cut both the guy's ears and, and that didn't change his behavior, then they'd kill him. Then they what? Kill him. Oh, God. Well, I mean... But you had not at that point. You if you remove know. the nose, you're almost making a Mr. Potato Head. Oh, well, I, got, I haven't gotten to that yet. But oh, boy. This this whole story is actually about Have the you, invention Are of we Mr. ever going to do one on the Mr. Potato Head famine <laughs> of the 80s? When it was a hot Christmas? There were no eyes! <laughs> uh... The way the Mollies worked is uh, killings would be done by strangers. So they they were in separate districts, right? And if a guy in District 1 wanted a guy dead, a guy from District 3 would come over and do it. Oh, that's nice. Sort yeah. of like uh, a foreign exchange program. Yeah. They would have a meeting and a member would complain about someone. After that, a warning would be sent telling him to shape up or leave. These warnings were... In the form of crudely drawn coffins surrounded by revolvers. Well, it's pretty clear. It's pretty, uh... I think you get it. You get the point. Yeah, I got this letter. Uh, it's, it's a box. 
And then uh, what appears to be little seas around it, small seas sort mm. of. But it's it's definitely some kind of box. I wonder what that is. Well, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a box. It looks like a sea box to me, love. Yeah, with floating. I seas. wouldn't worry about nothing. Okay. Come yeah. to bed already. Yeah, you. let's do that. Oh, oh, wait a minute, no. Uh, so, uh, so they do that, and then if one of those went out, McFernan would try to warn. I mean, if they were going to kill someone, if they decided to kill someone, McFerrin would go and try to warn the guy yeah. before he got killed. The Mollies started arguing about who was warning the men who were going to be killed. Quote, there's one case that I will never forget. Gormer James was a big, powerful Welshman who had become unpopular with certain Mollies. It was agreed that he should be killed. All the details murdering him were gone over with care, and it was decided that he should be killed at the coal mine where he worked. The day and the hour had been set, and an extra number of mollies were around me that day. The killing was to be done. I tried every way I could think of to be free for a time to get a warning to Gomer, but I failed. I managed at last to get out a side window of my room and get a warning to him in time. Wow. Gomer was proud of his strength and was not afraid of any man, but he was not dealing with men. He was dealing with a horde who struck in the dark. He forgot my warning, or at least decided he could care for himself, and went to a dance at Shenandoah, where he was killed. At a meeting of the Mollies, there was much rejoicing over the killing of Gomer James, and it was decided that the man who had done the killing would be rewarded $500 for his work. Thomas Hurley went to the front and claimed the reward, declaring that he had done the killing. Oh, whoopsies. He went into details and seemed to be proud of his efforts. I really killed the shit I out of this one. I fucking killed this one so bad. We're, we were about to vote him the money for the murder when a man named Michael Butler astonished the meeting by declaring Hurley had not done the killing, but the man named McLean was entitled to the reward. Hoy, I'm Spartacus. <laughs> the witnesses were on hand and told their stories in detail. There was some objection to taking notes, but fortunately, some agreed that it would be a help to us in going over the case later on. No, we'll want record of this later. Yeah, no, we'll keep this one. This one's fine. Let's go on record. Wait, this one's fine. Find out who murdered him on record. When all the men had told their stories, there was not the slightest doubt that Hurley had been the man who did the killing. <laughs> it's so great that there was no doubt. The other guy's story yeah. wasn't just been just awful. Horse shit. Uh, my story's a lot like Hurley's, except I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Although the reward was never paid. Oh, good. Anywho. <laughs> like how, that's how like Trump donates to veterans. There was... Uh, don't talk about it. Sorry. He's making America great. Yeah, true. There was another six-month union strike in 1875. Uh, it was a rough one. Quote, Hundreds of families rose in the morning to breakfast on a crust of bread or a glass of water. Yum. Day after day... That's actually a super hot diet right it now. It is really good diet, and it's going on in L.A. and people Low fuel and water. Day after day, men, women, and children went to the adjoining woods to dig up roots and pick up herbs to keep the body and soul together. Oh, my God. So It's quite a way of describing it. Yeah, so they're just out digging up roots to eat. More dirty root. Hopefully your body and your soul don't separate today. Then the mine operators decided to reopen, offering the 1974 wage to whoever whoever came to work. 1874. Sorry, eight, right. I said 1974. That would be way ahead of time. So they're like, you can have last year's wage if okay. you come back. Most of the workers could not hold out any of longer. Course. And by the end of the month, most of the coal mines in the area were open. 
The Miners' Journal turned against the union leaders, calling them villains and scoundrels. The WABA lost its power and collapsed. Sensing weakness, others made their move. The Mollies were arrested. More than 70 were grabbed, but many of the leaders got away, either back to Ireland or disappearing into other parts of the country. Archbishop Wood then formally excommunicated the Molly Maguires, even though no one knows exactly who they are. The trials began in uh, May 1876. Detective McFarland took the witness stand in the first murder case. In the end, 23 Molly Maguires were sentenced to hang and two dozen sent to the state prison. Okay. They tried to kill McFarland many times. Quote, efforts were made to poison me, throw me down mine shafts, blow me up with dynamite, shoot and stab me, but I kept close, kept close watch and was fortunate in escaping with my life. Wow. I mean, you really, that's got to be a paranoid situation. Meetings were held in New York and other parts of the country to drum up sympathy for the Mollies. Archbishop's wood was, Archbishop's name was muddied. But McFarland defended him, saying if people could have heard the bloodthirsty threats, boasts, and discussions, they would have realized that they were not encountering real humans. I often think that murder of a fellow human being meant no more to those men than merely shooting a rabbit. <clears throat> That's tough. Yeah. But shooting a rabbit's not all that great either. Yeah, I would, I mean, not, I would always argue for that, but still, it, I mean, it does, like, it does, that is crazy. To kill like you kill rabbits back then. The nation Plus rabbits are very cute. You're right. They're super cute. The nation followed the trial. Uh, on the West Coast, newspapers put their spin on it. The Sacramento Daily Union, May 12th, 1876. <clears throat> the Molly Maguires are an evolution of white American society, and it is therefore interesting to observe their actions because we can then obtain some definite idea of the white man's capacity for brutalization when he is not debauched and pulled down by the heathen Chinese. Oh, my God. I mean, that I had to put that in because the West Coast has to throw their own spin on things. <sighs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Liberal media. Oddly, the end of the Molly Maguire's... You not- guys sound crazy! It's the Chinese! <laughs> Come on! Be stupid. Oddly, the end of the Molly Maguires did not stop problems of workers wanting to make a decent living. That's crazy. The next year came the Great Railroad Strike of 1877. It occurred in the U.S. Pennsylvania was one of the major sites of conflict. In Pittsburgh, rail yards were set on fire after troops brought in from Philadelphia killed 20 strikers. In Scranton, local vigilantes formed a citizens' corps, which opened fire on strikers, killing six and wounding 54. But Schuylkill County had no part in the strike. The miners and the railroad workers did not have a trade union and voted not to go on strike, even though their pay was cut by 30%. But the Reading Railroad had gone into massive debt to buy all of the coal land, which the company could not recover from, and it was taken over by J.P. Morgan in 1883. Good. There is no proof that the Molly Maguires ever existed. Some believe the Molly Maguires were manufactured by coal operators in order to destroy the union. They point to the fact that evidence supplied by Detective James McFarlane was contradictory. But the trial was successful in killing labor unionism in the area. Most importantly, coal miners were now seen as having a criminal nature by the general public. So... Just another, just another story of the little man getting a chance. <laughs>
It, it is so crazy. So they made they made it up. It was made up. That's that's what a lot of historians think. They think that they like there may have been a group early on. They like invented that first their scapegoat. Group, but the second wave of Molly Maguire's just sounds like total fucking horseshit. Right. They just made it up. Just one hundred percent bullshit to destroy because. Right after the union starts, then all of a sudden Molly Maguire attacks. All of a sudden the attacks go from being, they, they keep saying, well, the problems in the mines are because the workers are fucked up, and all of a sudden it's terrorism. Right. Like, it's just fucking ridiculous. Right. Well, that, that's true. But also, I mean, I think, like, it, it really is. It's like once, it, once you've won the public psyche battle, it's over. It's over. You can't, it's so hard to undo it. Yeah. I mean, you think of the stuff you still hear. It's just like, you know, anytime anyone says... I mean, it's yeah, it's it, it it happens all at all times here, when people are just like, "Look, I understand your point, but get back in the machine, would you?" <laughs> like, you just have no, you know. There's just, and we have, and what's amazing, it, it really is amazing, because, you know, we just have the numbers. I mean, I if you play the numbers game, I know. It, it, they say it right there, 99% versus 1%, even if those are skewed and it's 90 10, I mean, it's just like, look, do you want to fight about it? <laughs> like, just let's go beat the shit out of them. They're, they win. But instead, they're just like, we have security. And we're like, ah, they got fences. And st- yeah, we're, uh, nope. Ah, nothing would make me happier. <laughs> like outside of Coke Industries with like 50,000 people like, I like our chances. I really do. I think we got a pretty good shot out here. They're good guys. Which one's David? Um, well, all right. all right. We signed Cole. We signed Cole. Go to LA. We signed Cars and Cole. Go to, yep. Go to uh, podcast.com to get all the tour information. Uh, yep. We're coming. Now's the time to buy tickets. That's right. Australia, we're coming inside you. We're going to be right inside you. Wait. I'll be so deep mm. inside you. Put the mic down. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, this same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. 